White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Brad Burns. takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. Can it go? Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome to Locked on Socks. I am Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. This is episode number 23. You, of course, know it's my episode. My favorite number. Hang on, hang on, hang, who- hang on, hang on. We'll, I will do it on the count of three. You, okay. Herb's, Herb's favorite White Sox player sporting the number 23 license plate. One, two, three. Robin Ventura. Mark Tian. What? Ah. Uh. <laughs> It was tea time, friends. It was always tea time. It's not. Oh, God. It's you, not Mark Tian. Oh, let me throw out. Nah. All the, I'm gonna throw out all my notes then for tonight. Uh, we had a tea time uh, retrospective ready for you guys, but sorry, <laughs> Robin Ventura, who weirdly enough was at Sox camp the other day. At least I was sent the stuff for Robin Ventura. He's the new Oklahoma State uh, like hitting coach or assistant hitting coach with Matt Holiday, who his brother is the head coach there. But Robin Ventura gets a bad rap because he was a terrible manager. And you know me, I don't care about managers. He was a fantastic player. And so if you think of Robin Ventura and you automatically think terrible manager, stop it. Yeah. That man was a great player. So I always found it not weird, but interesting that he was your favorite player of all time. What made you like Robin Ventura so much growing up? Well, being the contrarian that I am, didn't automatically go to Frank Thomas. That was too easy. When I was a child, I kind of looked like Frank Thomas, so they would call me things like that, like Little Herb. You know, maybe because I was the only black kid on the team. Whatever. Not just but, not just when you were little. Also, when we go to places like Cleveland and we're drinking before the game, and people oh, come yeah. up to you and say, hey, Frank Thomas. Oh, the Thirsty Parrot. Yeah, <laughs> good ass, times. Dumbass Clevelanders. <laughs> yeah, I either get called Frank Thomas or Jason Whitlock at <laughs> AL Central Stadiums. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tell Goddamn that. Goddamn Kansas we'll, City guy. We'll spin that yarn another time. But yeah, so you just like being a contrarian. So some things never change with you. Yeah, exactly. And so that guy, Robin Ventura, I latched on to him because he was the second best player on that team, that 90s White Sox uh, era. And I was crestfallen. I was like heartbroken when he broke his ankle, uh, sliding into home plate and missed the whole season that year. Uh, it was a disgusting uh, break. You could see his bone through the through the uniform. And so, yeah, uh, I've always loved him. He has one of the – like he's top five in Grand Slams all time, and all the guys who are with him are like one of the – some of the best home run hitters ever, like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, and then it's Robin Ventura. It's weird as hell. But, you know, I've always loved his clutchness, if you want to call it that. I remember he hit that grand slam versus Texas. Yes, that's 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 like my first memory of of him when I was a kid. I you know I think that was ninety one, right? So 
I'm I'm eight years old, and I remember you know listening to that game and on the radio because like it was too late. It was you know obviously late in the ball game, but it was too late in the game. So I'm listening on the radio, and I just remember John Rooney's call, and that's a video you see. You well, you don't see it as much anymore, but it was yeah. It's in the uh, it's in like the Pirates of the Caribbean intro video that they used to run back in the day. I remember that because it's the one where. Frank Thomas picks him up and kind of slings him, slings Robin Ventura over his shoulder after he crosses mm-hmm. home plate. It's like it's a really iconic moment uh, in White Sox history. Off Goose Gossage, right? That Grand Slam, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. I mean, of yeah. course, we'll research that in the interim and see. Yeah. We'll never if we're know. Right about that. I guess we'll never yeah, exactly. know. But, it'll just be it'll just be Goose Gossage <laughs> until I mean, there, maybe there's an invention that will. Give us quick recall on that. Yeah. So, uh, so otherwise, yeah. no. But yeah, that's why he's my favorite player. Love twenty three, Jermaine Dye. I know you guys are yelling at home. Jermaine Dye, one of MVP of the World Series. Love Jermaine Dye, but there's only one twenty three in White Sox history for me, and that's Robin. Get back, Jermaine! Get back! And glow didn't tag. Of course, an iconic Jermaine Dye moment. And sadly, I think about Hawk saying "Get back, Jermaine" before I think about him. You know, uh, hitting a single up through the box in Game Four of the World Series, I was thinking about a hawk going crazy, like in, in a in a non consequential game in the middle of the year, telling him to get back and tag up. But yeah, so some great number twenty threes. Dan Pasquale sported for one year back in '88, so twenty three. Yeah, and I and I think also if I'm thinking about Jermaine Dye besides the World Series game, I think about that game in Detroit where him and Paulie went back to back for three hundred. I remember I was in uh, I was at Columbia at the time I was in an art class, uh, art history I think 101 and uh, listening or probably not listening to the game on the radio I wasn't that crazy about it but I was definitely following like on whatever old version of the MLB app was and I was like wait I just it was just the weirdest thing like you know Canerco hits 300 die hits the 300 I was like that can't be real you know, because I don't remember much going in, into that game about them each having 299 homers. But, yeah, it was definitely one of the weirdest things you'll see in baseball. That's why I love baseball so much. You, you watch every day, and sooner or later you'll see something that you've never seen before. Real quick, before we – got a lot to talk about tonight. We want to talk mm-hmm. about Tim Anderson. He's launching a YouTube channel. I want to talk to you about Eloy Jimenez, home run predictions. I got a fun story out of New York. Uh, but before we get started, uh, I want to uh, just say a quick hello and a, a thank you. Last night, I wanted to record the podcast, but I was at uh, my uncle's retirement party. My uncle, Marty Tannehill, Lieutenant Marty Tannehill, retired after 31 years of service in law enforcement. So a few years with Lincolnwood Police and then 27 years with Chicago Police Department. It's a big White Sox fan, uh, so congratulations. We're so happy you made it. Uh, to see your your career through and and now you're you're safe and now you can enjoy uh you know the best part of your life. So my father retired from the Chicago Police Department last year. My uncle Marty retired this year. It was just a it was a, a great event last night. So just want to say hello to my uncle Marty and my aunt Karen who gave a great speech at the end of the night about what the family of uh, of law enforcement goes through to support uh those the boys in blue out there and the girls in blue also just the, the things that the family members have to do to kind of hold everything up while your loved one is out there putting it all on the line. So just a quick hello to a couple great Sox fans uh, that are in my family. So I'm very proud of them. So Tim Anderson. Salute, Marty. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So Tim Anderson, he's launching a YouTube channel. The reason we started it because, you know, man, you know the marketing game is kind of it's it's bad in baseball. So who's going to create that lane? So I'm going to create that lane and... Uh, don't get people 
good people behind the scenes. Uh, you know, everybody know that the next five to six years is gonna be dope, gonna be great. Uh, everybody talking about it on the sound side. We got the pieces. Everybody excited. It's gonna be fun. I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm working hard. So it's like, I'm to the point now in life, man, I'm trying to capture everything. I don't want to miss nothing. I don't want to miss nothing. That way, so when I do turn 70 and 80, all I got to do is be like, hey, pop that in. Let me see what, what, what I was doing in my 20s or in my 30s and my 40s. So I think it's just about capturing every moment of life. I think this is great for Tim Anderson, great for the White Sox. He mentioned initially the first thing was about the marketing. And, you know, I, I find it funny that, you know, we didn't know much about a lot of the great players in the game. You know, your Cody Bellinger's. Uh, of the world until he went off and started going on the Astros. We know Trevor Bauer's a character, but we don't really like we don't see them uh, in in videos like on Twitter or anything on social media until they're going in on the Astros, which is kind of like to Tim Anderson's point. You know, you don't see anything about Mike Trout. He does. You don't know if he has a thought about anything other than weather, unless it's the Astros. You know, in, <laughs> until lately. And I just think it's great that Tim Anderson's putting himself out there like that. Believe it or not, there's already people mad like, oh, why does he need this? He should be focusing on, you know, fielding shortstop or hitting. But good for him. I think this is going to be a good thing for him and the White Sox. I always get weird, weird about those people who wonder about athletes not doing the specific skill that they're paid to do. Like, do they think that players sit at home and think about baseball all day? and do nothing he's not filming this himself <laughs> guys he can do this and also do the thing that you want him to do which is be better at baseball i like it it puts pressure on him to be good him talking this way him filming himself him putting himself out there puts pressure on himself and i think he thrives under that where he puts himself on out there and says yeah i am this guy i am this is how i am regularly this is how my personality flourishes when i was being somebody else i wasn't feeling good on the field so i wasn't playing good now that i'm me i'm feeling good i'm feeling swagalicious and also f y'all this Swag is how i'm doing things swagalicious i i like yeah. that and i like the fact that he said uh, the next you know uh what do you say five or six seven years is going to be dope i thought I just stopped using dope because I thought no one uses that word anymore. But I'm I'm glad. I know everything that's like '90s is like kind of retro coming back in style. But I'm so happy. Like I, I don't know if this is okay for me to go back to using dope, but that's pretty much the the one all encompassing word I used like throughout the entire '90s and you know first part of the the early 2010s. So I'm glad I'm going back to using dope. So if anything comes of this and it's that, thank you, Tim Anderson. I mean, the man's got his own thing. He's got his own type of uh, beat. He follows to runs. A, what is it? The he dances to his own beat of right. the drum. So that's what I feel that Tim Anderson, you know, being an African American player in this game, it's frowned upon to be the person that you are. But f it, you know, he got suspended. This thing that trips me out more about this is Tim Anderson, a black dude, got suspended for saying the N-word to a white dude for, what is it, one game? Or was it two games and then got reduced to one? Right. So he got more trouble for saying that word to a white person, which in the culture, it's fine. He can use that word. White people, you can't tell Tim Anderson or myself or anybody else, which I don't use the word. 
Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Cannot use that word. Wait a minute now. Is that going to be? You know, he needs to program this YouTube channel. Is that going to be one of the shows where he calls white people the N word? Oh yeah, <laughs> the man on the street. 15, 15 minutes. <laughs> Do you mind if I call you the N word? And then just does it. But like the Astros players have no punishment. They cheated the game literally, and they have no punishment. That's what this ridiculousness is coming about. And I love that Tim Anderson and others are. I hope they keep on speaking out on. I hope so because. There's got to be some more punishment for these guys. Taking that trophy and the rings away from them will shut those dudes up, and that'll be enough for me once Rob Manfred gets to his senses and and or resigns himself because he's mishandled this thing big time. Rob Manfred had a really bad week and just overall a bad philosophy in terms of promoting players in the game. Uh, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think he told Mike Trout to be more interesting or, or be more marketable, whatever it was. And yeah. I, th- I think it's funny. It's like now all of a sudden you, you hear from Mike Trout and it was like, oh, Mike Trout does have thoughts on things. Like, you know, be- but because of the Astros thing, it's all out there in the open. And speaking of the Astros, if we're going to get more content like this from Tim Anderson's YouTube, I'm all here for it. Here's Tim Anderson today. Uh, White Sox Twitter had this, I believe, or Tim's Twitter, one of the two. And this is Tim talking about the Astros. We earn everything. Don't nobody give us nothing. We don't cheat to get it. <laughs> we earn it. We earning everything. Uh, that's why I'm doing this video to show you behind the scenes of everything. We don't got no extra videos around. We earning this. We earning this. We don't use no trash cans or nothing, baby. We earn everything we got. <laughs> Let them know. Uh, I love it. I, I can't wait. I want more and more and more. I'm, I'm in for it. If it's going to be stuff like that, I'm down. Yeah, um, and the White Sox know they got to see the Astros, and the Astros, more importantly, know they got to see the White Sox because they've been dominating the Astros the last couple of years. Uh, I think when the White Sox are bad, they still took care of business versus these Astros, and they got something for the ass. I don't care if Dallas Keuchel's on the team. He, he got to come correct himself uh, in his own transgressions, but I'm sure that he's not too happy with Tim talking about his team like that, but, you know, you're on the White Sox now. This is how you're gonna have to do it. Please jump on, jump along, and say that your team was was uh, cheating. And it wasn't him cheating necessarily. He knew about it, but you know, there's no there's no shame in him saying, yeah, they were cheating. It wasn't me. And you know, I felt like I'm a champion, but you know, maybe our championship is a little illegitimate. My people have spoke to me a little bit more. I think they feel that we got we got a uh, we got over on everybody. So. Yeah, I want the White Sox to be doing that. No, no, Herb. Dal- Dallas Keuchel didn't benefit from that, from that world, from the, all the cheating. Okay, he didn't benefit at all. Okay, don't you forget that. Just because no, his numbers all. were trash, he didn't benefit at all from his team knowing what other pitches were coming. <laughs> yeah, and you know he can give those those checks back too in the playoffs too, right? <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Let's move quickly. Oh, move okay, on. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, exactly. Let's move on, guys. So. Uh, Checks cleared. The White Sox paid me a bunch of money. I'm good, guys. So if, so we got a program, Tim Anderson's YouTube channel. If you have any ideas for uh, for shows or content for Tim, send them over to LockedOnSox at gmail.com. That's LockedOnSox at gmail.com. We'll, uh, we'll roll them out in the mailbag at the end of the week. I was thinking of one, like Flip This House. What about Flip This Bat? Boo. Yikes. 
Really? <laughs> All right, let's move on. So Eloy uh, had some uh, quotes this week. He was talking about you know his projections this year as far as home runs go. And mm-hmm. I remember you saying at the event at Reggie's a few weeks back, that was your what was your one bold prediction for the Sox this year? I, after you had a few, uh, after you had some wild Irish roast in you or whatever the hell you were drinking. Yes, Richard's wild Irish roast. Um, 55 home runs for Eloy Jimenez this year. God. I know people are listening and saying that's very far-fetched, but it's not. I just think about the progression of the player. He had 31 home runs on 122 games. That was in his rookie year where he was striking out mostly early in that year. Then he learned the game a little bit more ahead of toward September. I think he's going to start this year with no pressure at all, firstly. He knows the pitchers in the league now, and he knows that they're on how they're going to try to get them out. The guy was on a pace of hitting, I think, almost uh, like if he played 155 games, it would have been a 40 home run pace. So that's in his rookie year. I expect him to be fully healthy this year, and if he plays 155 games, he makes that 40 turn into 55. Because just of patience, learning the pitchers, knowing what they're going to throw. If they're using the same ball they used last year, I just think that the kid is a slugger like that. I mean, we saw what Pete Alonso did last year. Do you think Pete Alonso's that much stronger than Eloy Jimenez? Do you think he's that much better, better of a hitter? No. I think Eloy can get to that those type of levels that Pete Alonso got to last year. Here's the thing with Eloy. I hope he's not going to try and hit 50-plus home runs because he's such a gifted hitter. He's got that natural power to the opposite field. Like reminds me a little bit of Frank Thomas, where it's just easy power. So I, I you know, I just just keep a good approach. I don't want him up there swinging from the heels every time because he's naturally just going to be able to drive the ball. And you know, I, I I do hope he hits over 50 because I was looking at some of the uh, single season. Uh, team home run records across baseball and whenever I see the White Sox at 49 (laughs) first of all it's just not aesthetically pleasing 49 home runs and then you Mm -hmm. look and you think oh must have been Frank Thomas oh it wasn't Frank oh must have been Paul Konerko oh it must have been Greg Lezinski or something or Ron Kittle's rookie year or Jermaine Dye's 2006 (laughs) year maybe right but no it was Albert Bell uh, in 1998, had 49 home runs. It's time for some of these bad single-season home run records to fall. And when I talk about bad records, uh, a couple of them did fall in 2019. The Kansas City Royals' high watermark of home runs in a, in a single season from one player, Mike Moustakis had 38 in 2017. Jorge Soler, George, uh, he, he, he smashed that record with 49 in 2019. And uh, another example of why Eloy can hit 55. He's better than Jorge Soler. Much uh, better. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Another one that fell last year, uh, Brendan's guy, Carlos Beltran. He had a record of 41 <laughs> home runs in 2006 for the Metropolitans, and the aforementioned Pete Alonso had 53. But there are some other weird runs, weird, weird ones across baseball. Um, do you know who holds the Dodgers single-season home run record at 47? I'm going to go with... Hmm. Dodgers single season. Rich, yeah, rich, rich history. Dodgers, you know, got a lot of great players. They've had a lot of great players recently. I'm going to go with, hmm, let's see, who's a real slugger for the Dodgers ever? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep thinking along those lines because you'll definitely get it with, with thinking about that. Um, Dodgers. You, you give up? I'm going to. 
give me the position at least. Over uh, is he outfielder? Uh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, this was two thousand one. If that helps, two thousand one outfielder. I'm gonna go with Todd Hollinsworth. Uh, I give up. I don't know. Sean Green has the Jesus <laughs> has the Dodger single season home run record. Yeah, Jewish Jordan out there killing. Yeah, that's that's that one. That one's got to fall. I'd like to see Bellinger break that, or even Mookie Betts break it this year before he comes to the South Side next year. Another weird, another weird one. Uh, 57 home runs. Like, remember, there's a lot, a lot of steroid stuff going on here too. 2001, 57 home runs. Luis Gonzalez for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's a, that's a weird one. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, I know they haven't been around forever, but you see that, and it's just it leaves you feeling all sorts of achy when you see that. I think I, I'm gonna guess. I don't know if you have it right in front of you. Um, the other team I like is the San Diego Padres. I'm gonna guess their single season okay. home run hitting I've got it, yeah. winner. What do you think? Is Greg Vaughn? Yes. He, Boom. He, he had an even fifty in 1998. That was oh, one of the weird serious. ones that I circled, like odd player uh, being atop the single season uh, leaderboard. And the other one I had a couple ones where it's surprising to me that the Reds. A single season home run leader with fifty. Eric Davis, forty four. No, it should be in my opinion, but it goes back to the big red machine era. George Foster with fifty two and seventy seven. Wow, that was a lot mm. for back in the day. But you'd think with the new ballpark and they had some great teams in the nineties, World Series winner. You'd think Adam they, Dunn, right? Dunn was the first one I thought of, also. But yeah, that, that was that's a weird one that that should fall. I would think uh, you know sooner than later. But fifty two is a pretty strong one, and then. Uh, I thought it would fall this year uh, for the Angels, but do you know who has the single-season home run record for the Angels? I'm going to go in for my man, the fish out of water, Tim Salmon. No, no, absolutely not. How about uh, Tony Salmon? Uh, do you like bones in your fish? You want to take one more guess? You're you're like in the right. Um, you're kind of in the in the right wheelhouse as far as uh, year goes. It wasn't far far from Tim Salmon. All right, I'm gonna go Garrett Anderson. Uh, no, a little, little later than those guys actually. So, so this is 2000. So this, this predates their world series team. One more, Oof. one more guess. Maybe I don't think you'll get it. Third baseman. Uh, third baseman for them was, uh, I don't know. Scott Spezio. I don't know. Troy Glaus with 47 oh, home runs. God. I know people are yelling like Troy Glaus. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I forget, yeah, I forgot about Troy Glaus. Congratulations. If you're yelling Troy Glaus at this podcast right now, you should probably go find another hobby, but thank you for listening as always. Uh, so yes, stop yelling Troy Glaus's name. Your neighbors are freaking out. And the guy next to you in the car is like, what the fuck? Who the hell is Troy Glaus? And why are you yelling? At exactly. We have all types of like people like cross sections of, of people listening to this. So we can try to cater to everyone. So getting back to Eloy, you think 55 home runs, and looking at a, a projected lineup, where do you think Eloy fits best in, in the current uh, lineup it's a, in order to get 55? Do you think he's got to hit a little bit higher, get more ABs, or do you think he'll benefit from being a little bit lower behind some of the other veterans? What do you think? I just heard um, Ricky Renteria pretty much say that Tim Anderson and Yoan Moncada are going to be 1-2 this year, with Tim Anderson most likely being the leadoff guy. So then I got to... Uh, suss out the rest of the lineup. I know he loves Jose Abreu in the number three spot. I do not, but I get why he does whatever. He loves RBIs and whatever that means. So three, Jose Abreu. Four, they're probably going to go for another lefty, so Grandal right there. And so you need to have a right-hander right there at the number five spot. I would put 
Eloy right there at the five spot. I know Ricky, he likes veterans, so he's going to put Edwin Encarnacion at the five spot, even though he's on base guy, which I would want him at third. Then Umbreu maybe at four, uh, fifth or fourth. So, you know, he will fuck this up. So <laughs> Encarnacion will bat fifth. And then Ricky's like, oh, I need another lefty. So he'll put, I'm trying to think, does they have another lefty available right there? Uh, second baseman, no. First baseman, no. So he'll have to put Eloy right there at number six. Okay. Um, I I still I, don't, I still like Grandal leading off. I know he said Tim Anderson today. I don't know if I if I love that. I mean, I like Tim Anderson starting a ball game and giving a little spark. I know he's 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 hit lead off uh, a few times in his career. I, I like the spark, like the power threat, the speed threat. Just the, just a, a guy like a Dexter Fowler type, you know, for lack of a better example, but it's some someone we've seen in recent memory, like an actual legit leadoff hitter, someone who yeah. can ignite a team, you know, from, from 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 jump. You know, as soon as the first pitch, he can get out in any number of ways. He can hit the ball out of the park. I so I you know I think I'm starting to warm to the idea of Tim Anderson leading off, but I, I you know I like Grandal being the veteran as well with a little OBP and a little veteran presence, a little veteran smarts, seeing more pitches for the guys behind them. So I, I don't know if Tim Anderson will do that. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. And I forgot about Nomar Mazar as a left-handed hitter. Yes. So, of course, Eloy will be the seventh-place hitter because <laughs> Nomar, as a lefty, with no other qualifications, will be in front of Eloy Jimenez. So, yeah, he'll mess it up. Eloy will be batting seventh. Good pressure's off and you got a hitter who's going to hit 50 plus home runs at seven which is weird but then also you're not maximizing the team value there with him hitting so low especially with a guy who's in front of him that's never shown a propensity of getting on base never shown a job of uh, hitting the ball well uh, consistently and staying healthy so uh um you know resigned to the fate that ricky's gonna mess his lineup up and not have optimal uh, people in the optimal spots, but you know, uh, I just hope the players just, you know, say F it. We're just going to play better than his terrible lineups. So um, I just can't believe that then we're going to have seven Eloy, eight Luis Robert, and then nine Nick Madrigal. Or if they really mess it up, Larry Garcia or Danny Mendek, because that's another thing for another show that right. if this guy is the guy that we think he is and that they keep on saying he is, Danny Mendick is not keeping goddamn Nick Madrigal in the minors. Never, ever. This shouldn't be a competition. If you think he's great, put him on the major league team. Let's go. Yeah, Herb, with Eloy's home runs, you're going 55. I'm, I'm going to go under as much as I would love to see it, but I don't think – uh, the the 50 home run uh, plateau will be reached by a White Sox hitter this year. Um, and just watching Eloy, you know, sit down and talk with reporters this week, he looked happy. Everyone was vibing out there in Arizona, and we have some of the coldest temperatures we've had all year here in Chicago. And I can't wait for the real games to get started. And I kind of wish I was in Arizona right now, to be honest with you. I mean. Technically, you can follow them down there to Arizona. There's nothing stopping you, Tanya, from going down to Arizona. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training, and you'll be there. I mean, you can visit Eloy. You can visit Yoan. You can visit Edwin Encarnacion, Tim Anderson, any of the guys you wanted to meet. Follow any team that you want. Fifteen teams of the 30 are down there in Arizona right now getting ready for action on Saturday. Go down. Our guy, Lawrence Holmes, just touchdown in Arizona already at Cubs camp 
already sw- swinging over to Glendale to see the White Sox and talking to some good people like Joe Madden, who the White Sox play on Saturday. Um, if you want to go and check that out, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. I've been down there myself to check out Sloan Park, to check out Glendale. They share uh, a facility with the L.A. Dodgers who are up and coming. If you're a fan of just seeing great ball players, I mean, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts. We're talking about Jock Peterson, one of the best pitchers of all time, Clayton Kershaw, all in the same facility as the White Sox. So make your trips now. As Tanny just said, it's cold as hell up here. You want some warm 75-degree temperatures? You want something to do outside right now that you can't do in Illinois? Firstly, there's no mountains in Illinois. Secondly, there's no great time to go outside and do anything because you're cold as hell. Go out to Arizona and hike the Camelback Mountains out there. Go out to Arizona and get try a Sonoran dog. Try some Tex-Mex. Try some oh, the different te- food. The Mexican food, yeah. Herbie. We're, we're spoiled out here in Chicago, but... They've got some of the finest Mexican food, Tex-Mex food in the in the entire country uh, in Arizona. That was probably my favorite my favorite culinary thing to sample when I was out there is just all the great Mexican food options. So if you're a Chicagoan, odds are you like Mexican food. Arizona, they've got some of the best spots uh, imaginable. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training to book your trip today. You mentioned Encarnacion earlier, and we were talking about him before the podcast sort of off the air. Um, you know, I'm getting excited seeing him in a Sox uniform. Like I said, I've been I've been fantasizing about that parrot uh, taking a walk around the yard at, on the south side for quite some time. Um, they could have got him a few years uh, earlier, and maybe they would, I know. wouldn't you be in this position for a long time. Oh yeah, like, long long time. I mean, I love personality above all, but I also love a guy who can hit the ball out of the yard. He just seemed like a guy that would be perfect for the White Sox. You know, uh, another DH and just go up there and rake. I would have loved to see that. But he had an interesting comp. For you know, stepping into the Sox clubhouse, he had an interesting comparison to what team uh, the current White Sox roster reminded him of. It's gonna be fun year, like that guy says. We're gonna have fun. We, it's gonna be like great, great lineup from the first to the bottom. And like I said, we're gonna go out there and compete and do whatever we need to do for winning games. We had the talent here, and this thing made me remember the, the team that we had in 2015 with the Blue Jays. So a lot of young talent with veteran guys, so we put everything together, and team, we're going to be right. The 2015 Blue Jays, Herbie. That, that was oh, a weird geez. comparison. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that one. I mean, but, but he was on the team I wasn't. But what do you, what do you think about that comparison? Lots of pop on that Blue Jays team. Isn't that the team that walked it off with the uh, Jose Bautista? Yeah, they uh, the Blue Jays the that toss? yeah the Blue Jays that year they went to the ALCS and lost to uh, the Kansas City Royals uh, mm-hmm. in in uh, in route to the, their World Series title. Um, I look at, and I wonder first of all, Edward Encarnacion does speak English, so I was uh, happy to see that. I wasn't quite sure. Because yeah, uh, the other day he did not speak English to the assembled media. Yeah, so but that's his prerogative. Whatever speaks perfect English. Be, yeah, be com- be comfortable in the language that you speak. I understand that exactly. But yeah, he seemed pretty comfortable there. But the t- I wonder. I, I just don't see the uh, this White Sox team looking like the 2015 Blue Jays unless Edwin Encarnacion believes any team he's on. He, he, oh, it reminds him of any other team that he was on before. <laughs> like just because. Let me see. Yeah, this team reminds me of that team because. Oh wait, I was on that team. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of that team. That team, by the way, Mark Burley was on that team. 
I think that was I think that was his last season. Um, but you said um, Bautista was on that team that year. It, they had a career year from uh, Kevin Pillar that year. Donaldson was on that team, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Young, younger Josh Donaldson, sort of a, as he, you know, after that trade from Oakland, he sort of established himself, um, you know, as one of the the prominent home run hitting third baseman in the league. I think that was no, that was 2016, but they that was 2016 when Donaldson and Daryl Boston got into it about the whistle. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's one. Of, that's like the first thing I think of when I think of Josh Donaldson. Is Ryan going still with us? Because he no, was on that team. no, I think he's he's gone. I think, but yeah, he okay. was on that team. Chris Calabello, him of the steroid taking, and I'm being a minor leaguer. Also ran, then he took steroids and hit a bunch of home runs. That year, he only hit 15 and played 100 games. Kevin Pillar, like you said, was on the team, having a great year. David Price doing work. Uh, Sox killer Ben Revere. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe, fifty-six Encar- games. Maybe Encarnacion sees himself in this year's White Sox team, and he sees himself in the Bautista role, and then maybe Eloy, sort of like the young Encarnacion. It's very confusing, but I you, mean, your man they got forty, they got forty, forty-one, and thirty-nine home runs from Encarnacion, Bautista, and Donaldson. If we can get that type of production, they'll be excellent. Yeah, they'll, they'll be on their way, and of course, they had. One of my favorite herb nicknames, R.A. Dickey, was on that team. Of course, his nickname, Real Ass Dickey, right? Aren't really average. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he <did. laughs> it was it, success in this league is so fleeting. One year you could be Real Ass Dickey, and the next year you could be really <laughs> average Dickey. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, they had a bunch of pitchers on this team. Though. I, you know, Burroughs. Drew Hutchison pitched 150 innings for some reason. My guy Your Steve, Re- Steve Delabar was on that team. He had like some of the filthiest stuff I've ever seen. The guy was like a like a high school teacher, and then they brought him out, and then he had the Tommy John, and then uh, not so well for Steve Delabar. But yeah, yeah, this was the year that Burley didn't reach his coveted 200 innings, and then I think he retired. Yeah, like yeah, you said, exactly. So, yeah, it's, I mean, if a team I was rooting for in that playoffs, it would have been that one, especially against the damn Royals. I hate the Royals. I don't know if I said that <laughs> enough last time. And the Twins, too. So, Edwin Encarnacion, him and his parrot, um, I think let's set an over-under here for home runs. I'm going to go 34.5 for the home runs, the power numbers. What do you think about that? Are you going over or under? I'm going to go slightly under, probably like 31 home runs, which are enough for me. Because uh, since I'm already overplaying on the Eloy home runs, Edwin with 31, 32 would be satisfying for me as a White Sox fan and as you as a fantasy owner. I'm sure you would love Edwin Encarnacion to hit 30 home runs when he's 38, 39 years old. So yeah, that'll be great for uh, anybody who's owning Edwin Encarnacion. Probably the second best DH you can get this year. That fantasy minute was brought to you by League Commission. What are you doing for the game? Whether it's a casual follower, tweets everything guy, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less, or the makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in sports. The same personalities apply with fantasy sports and league commission exist to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. As it is easy to sign up with your preferences, get matched, and approve that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up for League Commission before February 29th and receive 15% off by entering the code LOCKED ON. 
in the referred section by the sign-up form. The first 25 people that sign up using our code locked on receive their first match for free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. Staying in the AL East as we wrap this thing up here, there was a fun story uh, that came out this week that I didn't hear anyone talk about in our field, um, but I could not stop laughing. Did you hear about Brett Gardner, Herbie? I did not hear about Brett Gardner. Future White Sox Brett Gardner, of course, because Kenny always gets his man. Always. This is from the New York Post. Brett Gardner files restraining order against obsessed fan. Yankee slugger Brett Gardner has reportedly asked a Bronx judge to keep a crazed fan who calls herself the baseball player's future wife away from him and his family. This <laughs> this woman, uh, let's call her Gina D., um, she says, I request the court to grant me access to the stadium in accordance with MLB fan policy and also in accordance with, quote, significant other of MLB player Brett Gardner. She wrote, she's suing him now, uh, she wrote in a lawsuit. I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm also the future wife of of Brett Gardner. <laughs> and you could you could find this story online. They, they tweeted out some photos of the of the poor woman. Um, and speaking of like you know Astros are in the news this week, uh, she also claims this. Um, the Yankees have a series of signs, right? That they, that they that they go through like you know relaying signs from the third base coach to the hitter. Um, she says that Brett Gardner makes a quote sad face during home games when she does not attend. Uh, and after their three years of romancing online, she started going to games because I see that Brett desires that I be there. And as far as those, <laughs> as far as those signs, she says in the lawsuit uh, that a video of Brett Gardner in the dugout shows that he, quote, motions with his hip on the stairs as though he is having sexual intercourse with me, according to NJ.com. Mm. <laughs> Herpy, like, firstly, I mean, seriously, like, firstly, who's this lawyer who took up this case? Is she defending herself? I mean, <laughs> it must be, yeah. If that yeah, be. I think there's an old saying about somebody who defends themselves. Um, there, uh, there's not enough time to to get into what this lady is. Mental health is a serious problem, folks. We shouldn't be taking light of it, but this lady is putting it on thick, really thick. It's ridiculous. Seriously, I mean, who is hearing this trial? Like, is there already a judge thinking about throwing this out? Please, let's do it. Because let that man live. He's stalking him. Throw that lady in jail. Give her the, the mental health that she needs, of course, because this lady doesn't sound like she's uh, all up there. Um, also, during an interview uh, with NJ.com, a reporter pointed out that Brett Gardner is actually married. The woman says, quote, that is not of importance. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be his future wife, lady, let's be technical. In New Jersey, they only have a single wife policy in actually all 50 states, even though they say that about um, Utah. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. It's still you can only have one legal wife. So that is very important, lady, for her so, to be his wife. Best of luck to the happy couple. I hope everyone seeks the resolution they deserve. Um, 
I, I Gina D. Yeah, right? yeah, we got to get her on the pod. Maybe um, we got to send, maybe send her over to the Locked On Yankees people. Or, I'm sure or they've got this baseball. covered. Yeah, exactly. I think it's uh, Stacy Gatz is uh, the Locked On Yankees person, or talking to my guy, uh, talking bank, talking Yankees with uh, talking Jake, and of course John Boy. Of course, and you know this just reminds me of uh, of my restraining order that Juan Uribe had filed against me. So it's tough to talk about, but years later I can move on and talk about it, and you know hopefully spread a little knowledge and and just you know it's okay to, to talk about it and be out in the open. So I think that about who, does it for this week. Um, who would you stock more, Juan Uribe or Platano Power? Ooh, Fernando Rodney and his and his Platano Power. Um, I'm still holding out hope that Fernando Rodney will will someday be a White Sox. I'm still holding out hope. You know, a little injury he was on the can. World ha- Champions last year, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. He was on the Nationals last year, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he just he tends to just. I don't think it's a coincidence that they win wherever he goes. All of a sudden, you know, they he comes along at the end of the year. And, you know, I think he was on the A's last year, too, maybe, before he got DFA'd or traded. He was, you know, and then all of a sudden he goes to the Nationals and they just start winning. They get rid of their best player in Bryce Harper. Then all of a sudden Fernando Rodney comes aboard and and boom, all of a sudden they're winning the World Series. So I don't think there's a coincidence there. The guy's been pitching forever. But, um, man, that's a tough one. I'll have to think about that one. I, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with Juan Uribe because, you know, he, he put a ring on it. You know, he, he brought back the World <laughs> Series. So, you know, so he'll always be the number one. I think that about does it for us today. On next uh, episode of Locked on Sox, we're going to talk about an actual baseball game that's occurring this oh, week. <laughs> I mean, it's only an exhibition. It's not baseball. Don't call it that. Oh, God. Thank you, Les. Appreciate it. My Les is terrible. But, yeah, but Ronaldo Lopez is taking the mound, and we'll see what what he's trying to do. You know, sometimes they just go out there and they throw one pitch, and that'll be an easy game to evaluate. But it's going to be great to to see the guys in their shitty baseball caps with their bad loco on it um, (laughs) get out there playing for, for kind of real. So I'm looking forward to it. I wish they would wear white in that Arizona sun. It seems like that black uniform is just taxing on the body. I know when I wear black in the sun, it just, you know, of course, black absorbs that heat. So I just wish in the Arizona sun they would just wear those white uniforms or a lighter color uniform. But whatever. George whatever. George Costanza, Costanza over here. You think uh, maybe get him in all cotton uniforms maybe. But also <laughs> – and next episode, we're going to talk uh, about Eno Saris. Uh, he ranked all the uh, ballparks in terms of beer uh, in Major League Baseball in the, in the athletics. So we'll talk about that, where uh, Guaranteed Rate Field ranks, where Oracle Park ranks, where we'll be going in just uh, just uh, in a couple months now. So I'm looking forward to it. So, Herb, you got anything else for us tonight? Nothing else. I'm buying my tickets, my plane tickets, either this paycheck or the next one. So Let's go. I'm getting ready for it. Wheels up. Wheels up. Let's go. Yeah, so that will do it for Locked On Socks, episode number 23. Chris Tannehill is there. I am here. We're on remote. This episode, next one, we'll probably try to be together so we can reminisce on a great Raylo Lopez start in spring training. For Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. Good evening or good afternoon, wherever you are.